Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Clee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. My name is Bob. I am your host. As always, I am talking Cleveland sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's up, man? Bob, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted physically. I'm exhausted emotionally. Last night was insane, and I'm working on like three hours of sleep here because I've been traveling for 15 hours. So, uh, it's kind of crazy and, uh, hopefully unlike last year, we did this podcast on the road. My air conditioner doesn't like audio bomb me. I think I got that under control, but, uh, yeah, it's been a pretty crazy 24 hours for me and Bob happy anniversary. We are two years old as a podcast team. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. It is, yeah. Uh, it's really exciting. I, I, you know, two two years ago, our first episode was we we recapped the Super Bowl uh, where the Patriots beat the Seahawks. So uh, it's kind of crazy that <laughs> we've been doing this for two years and have barely missed uh, any time in, in doing episodes. Um, so yeah, happy happy anniversary to you as well as well, Chris. As well, Chris. As well, Chris. We have not missed an episode. Now, every now and then we've done double episodes, but we, we have been tried and true, Bob. We are Iron Man. We're going for that Brett Favre streak. Very true. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, obviously, uh, this podcast uh, being Cleveland-centric, it, we're all, always going to start with some Cleveland sports. So uh, right now in February, the only sport that's going on right now in Cleveland is NBA basketball. So we're focusing our attention on the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, January w- was definitely rough for them. Um, we talked a little bit about it last episode. Uh, they, since uh, LeBron 2.0 has returned to Cleveland, January has just been a weird month for them, and, and this year ha- has been no less, uh, just with some struggles uh, on-, on some road trips. But they seem to have righted the ship of late, uh, winning four of five. They're going up against Washington as we record this episode right now. Um, but the biggest news I'd say is coming off the court uh, with some comments coming from LeBron firing some shots at, at Charles Barkley, who has um, since day one been a massive troll to, to LeBron uh, to, to a fault. I mean, some of his takes that have been pretty absurd and, and uh, LeBron for m- the most part ha- has, has largely ignored, ignored it. Um, but he was not having it uh, early last week and, and just, rattled off on him um and and this kind of culminated a a, a a large amount of sound bites uh in the new year from lebron uh openly complaining about the roster uh calling out some of the younger guys calling out management um lebron's definitely seems to be grumpy chris uh what how can we cheer up lebron uh before we head into the playoff season well first and foremost i think the Cavs could uh fill that 15th roster spot. I think that would cheer up LeBron the most if they went to max capacity. You know, we've talked about this a couple times. Uh, We know that um, that spot is open because I think the front office is waiting to see who gets dealt at the trade deadline. A lot of times veterans get bought out, and I think that that could really help the Cavs if they wait and see uh, after the dust clears, having that open roster spot is a big advantage. Um, I also think if they could somehow deal Birdman's contract, 
or, or, or arrange a situation where they don't have to pay him uh, because they're in luxury tax thresholds and all that stuff. So they, they really want to try to move that contract and maybe add that backup point guard LeBron's been alluding to and add another backup big man to give them some more depth in the front court because Kevin Love's been struggling with back problems for most of the year. It would be nice to get a fourth big man down there. Birdman would have been that guy to help ease the burden of Kevin Love in the regular season, but because he got hurt, uh, now Kevin's Love's injury is a little more exacerbated. So I definitely think that what would make LeBron the most happiest is if they would field a full roster. I'm not disagreeing with them keeping that open, uh, but I do think that that is part of the frustration. Yeah, for sure. Upgrading the roster, I think, is a uh, uh, uh easy way to, to cheer him up um i'm not sure if who they bring in is gonna um make any big difference though i mean they were looking at somebody like uh lance stevenson who's only 26 years old and just a few years ago was you know on the verge of being a star or being in that conversation so maybe they'll get somebody get those strike lightning in a bottle but um definitely fill that roster spot somehow i definitely agree with you um, you know, Kevin Love did have a nice bounce back game against the Knicks, 23 points and 16 rebounds. Hopefully that, those back problems are, are now behind him because they'll definitely need him um, with the depleted depth uh, in the backcourt. Chris, I, I'm swinging for the fences right now. There is There are a couple of teams right now that are uh, complete train wrecks, um, and, and a couple of them have some of LeBron's closest friends. Obviously, we've talked about Carmelo Anthony and the New York Knicks and all those rumors. I'm not... Uh, buying into those and I don't think it's likely that they'll be able to strike a deal but his buddy Dwayne Wade is in a terrible situation right now uh, with the Chicago Bulls Um, I understand they're in the in in position for the seventh seed but they're 25 and 26 Uh, him and Jimmy Butler calling out uh, just the entire team a couple weeks ago Rajon Rondo uh, fired back against them they seem to be in a free fall bring in Dwayne Wade. I mean, they're best friends. Why, why not bring his buddy back in and, uh, cheer him up so that they can have, you know, have one last hurrah together. They, uh, you know, love each other. And, uh, you know, if anybody in the NBA can cheer up LeBron James, I think it's Dwayne Wade. I got 23 million reasons why Dwayne Wade probably is not going to be wearing a Cleveland Cavaliers uniform. Uh, in order to get him in here, Cavs are really going to have to get creative with who they send back because they're over the tax. They can only trade for a guy if they match up his salary to a certain point. So they would either have to throw in Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving because their salaries match pretty perfectly, or they'd have to give them like uh, pretty much Shumpert and Smith or something like that. And I don't know if I'd be willing to give up J.R. Smith even though he's injured. I, I trust in Griffin to, to make it happen. I, I, I mean, I do too, but but he still needs to to match salary somewhere, and that's going to be a pretty big challenge. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking logistics right now. I'm a big picture guy. I'm not a numbers guy. All right, I'm going to leave that to the, the, the dorks in the front office to figure it out. You know, <laughs> so LeBron's calling the shots. You're just an ESPN trade machine guy, and yeah. then you, you ship that off to, to Griffin, and he figures it out. Yep, exactly. He he'll he'll he hears what I tell him to do, and he'll he'll make it happen. So hey, Dwayne Wade needs to come to Cleveland, make it make it work. 
I mean, look, man, if it worked out, that would be great. Um, as long as they don't give up. I mean, I don't think it can happen without giving up at least J.R. Smith and a bunch of other guys. Because the, the numbers just won't add up. Um, and you can't trade one of the big three for him. No, I'm sorry. The, the, the big three is untouchable in my book. Well, okay. Oh, yeah. I know, I know it's completely infeasible, yeah. That, that's an interesting one. I mean, that's certainly would cheer LeBron up if Dwayne Wade were on the Cavs. I mean, they're like BFFs. For sure. I keep reading that, um, you know, Carmelo for Kevin Love, uh, Cleveland is clearly not interested, but Cleveland keeps, you know, trying to explore ways to bring Carmelo in. So I, I definitely think that they know who LeBron likes. And if it's not Dwayne Wade, if it's not Carmelo Anthony or Chris Paul, his three best friends in the league, maybe it's a guy like Norris Cole or Mario Chalmers who they worked out last week who he has experience with and he's won championships with Norris Cole would be nice on a number of fronts just because he played for Cleveland State as well so very popular local player kind of not LeBron level popularity but I know when he was with Cleveland State uh, he was a fan favorite for sure yeah I I would I would like to have Norris Cole uh, on the roster I I was a big fan of his uh, and I was kind of you know when when the Heat drafted him and LeBron was on the team, I was kind of bummed that he went there. But um, now that all things are forgiven, uh, I would love to have Norris Cole on the team. I think another thing that would make LeBron happy is if Charles Barkley got a pie in the face on TNT. <laughs> I, I yeah. think that would cheer him up a bit. Um, I mean, I know, I know what he said about Chuck. I mean, first off, let's just be real. LeBron went way overboard on Charles Barkley. I, I, Look, I'm not trying oh, to hate on nuclear on him. Here. Yeah. I'm not trying to hate on LeBron at all, but I kind of agreed with Charles there. Like it rubbed me the wrong way that LeBron accused the team of not spending enough money. And I mean, come on, man. The only guy they didn't pay to bring back is Matthew Delvadova, and Matthew De- not having Matthew Delvadova is not the problem right now. The problem is J.R. Smith's hurt and other guys are just dealing with knick-knacky injuries that are keeping them from full board. But we knew th- this is this is why you LeBron's teams don't take the regular season seriously. You got to stay healthy for the playoffs. So, but but I, I just think it was a little wrong of him to criticize the organization for not doing everything he's asked since he's got here because they've done just that. I think Charles Barkley's comments was the last straw. You said it earlier. Charles has been. A little bit tough on LeBron, to say the least. And I think this was just a culmination of, you know what? I'm just sick and tired of this. I'm going off on him. And he did not hold back, man. I, I mean, I liked Charles's rebuttal saying, man, he, he did some good Googling on me. Uh, so <laughs> Le, Le, LeBron did. I mean, this was premeditated. He had planned this. He must have heard Charles's comments. And it's like, okay, fine. I'm going to go off. I'm just going to do a bunch of research. I'm sick of it. It was the breaking point, and it, it was it was entertaining. Um, I, I do think it's concerning that LeBron is um, kind of doing things like this, talking to the media a little bit too much. And, and I know it's one of those double-edged swords. I think the Charles Barkley comments were fun. I'm alluding more to the comments on the organization when LeBron gets in the GM mode. Uh, those are concerning to me. Uh, but the Charles Barkley's comments yeah. was just fun. I I I I don't read into those too much. I mean, this is playing out almost exactly uh, how last season played out. Um, this is around the time where LeBron started doing weird things on social media. You know, 
trying to, to play the media. Um, this year we, we've got angry LeBron who's just, you know, c- calling out everybody and not holding anything back. Um, once playoff season looms and, and gets closer, he's going to go completely silent uh, in, in terms of like, social media posts and whatnot. And I think all of his, his interviews are going to be almost robotic, uh, you know, ro- robo LeBron, <laughs> if you will. Um, but yeah, I, I just think this is the lull, the um, cabin fever that LeBron seems to get in the regular season. I, I don't think anything bad or, or, or negative is coming of it. Um, yeah, he went, he went full nuclear on, on Charles. I mean, you know, he has been taking it and taking it, uh, his entire career and, you know, he just let it rip and he, he took one swing and he made it count. <laughs> like I, I read that and, uh, I, I, I was laughing to myself when I, when I read, uh, his response. Um, definitely, you know, Charles versus LeBron is, uh, one of kind of the greatest subplots of the NBA for the last, uh, 10 years or so. Um, you also know it's bad when Draymond Green comes to LeBron's support. He teed off on Charles, too. And he said he, yeah. he totally agreed with LeBron, and he teed off on him for not winning any rings. So, uh, yeah, that, yeah. That, that I thought that was kind of comical as well. Yeah, very true. You're a lot nicer, too. A, a pie to the face uh, was what you said. I I had um, Char- if Charles Barkley died written on, on my <laughs> notepad. So. Come on, man. You just went new. Now, you just went, like, ultra nuclear man come on man that's that's yeah, a little I much went, I, I don't I know if assassin. LeBron would take pleasure in that I don't know about that no 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 he cer- certainly would not but the trolling would be gone so you know that, that is true maybe, um, maybe maybe he would be yeah I mean we all know what the root of the problem here is that the Golden State Warriors are the luckiest franchise ever and when I say luckiest they had all their superstars hit free agency at the right time so they had their big three on super value contracts compared to the cap so that when it went up, they could sign Kevin Durant. I mean, it, it was one of the, the most fortunate situations in the history of sports. LeBron saw that happen, and there is no way that that is not eating at him, that that team was allowed to do that. And I think that has really rubbed him the wrong way. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, everything... Everything in this season is done due to what the Warriors are doing. And that's just because they brought in a guy like Kevin Durant and were able to do so legally and and and, and pay him just about what he's worth uh, in terms of the, the market in the NBA. So, um, yeah, for sure. I mean, all the frustration comes from that. Um, my final point was uh, it, maybe it would cheer LeBron up if the, the Cavs just made him general manager and he could <laughs> make the moves himself. Um, you know, honestly, it's kind of to that point. I I can't imagine that the Cavs make any personnel decision without at least, uh, getting a quick, okay from him. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, a lot of people talk about LeBron being kind of co-GM. It certainly isn't that far. I do think the front office does most of the work, but, but there is no way. I mean, LeBron is looped in on every decision. It's, it's not even, you know, they're not even trying to hide it. You know, the second LeBron got here, they started talking Kevin Love trade. I mean, it, everything has been LeBron motivated, and rightfully so. I mean, he's the best player. You got to keep him happy. And it's not like they're making bad moves to keep him happy. They, I mean, I don't believe this Cavs organization has made a bad move since LeBron has returned. I, I mean, you look at the value trades they've got, the guys they've brought in. 
I just think, I mean, they've assembled a, a very strong team. I think I think no matter what happens in the West, if this Cavs team is healthy, they've got a coin flip shot at repeating. You know, I, I think they can beat the Warriors. They did so on Christmas Day. Um, yeah, the Warriors are playing better, but I think if the Cavs are healthy and they get through the East, they'll have momentum too. So I, I think it's, it's always going to come down to a couple of fluky things. Like last year, it was Draymond Green's suspension and Andrew Bogut's injury. The year before that, it was Kyrie Irving getting hurt in game one. I mean, all of these NBA finals are turned on some fluky, weird plays that you just can't predict. So I think as long as the Cavs are there and healthy, they've got a coin flip shot. Um because I don't think that either team, the Warriors or the Cavs, are going to make a move that drastically changes their makeup between now and June. Very good point. I mean, I could predict that Draymond Green was going to get in trouble at some point. but Well, well now, <laughs> yeah. after seeing him the last two playoffs, I mean, I think that that would not be a surprise. I think it would be more surprised if he didn't get suspended for, for teching out in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think it's a given at this point. He's shown no signs of slowing down. Well, um... Obviously, uh, LeBron's behavior has concerned us a little bit, um, but again, you and I, not too concerned about the Cavs. Uh, They will roll into the postseason strong as long as everybody's healthy, and and just keep in mind, J.R. Smith is back in April, um, and and there's uh, 17 days until the trade deadline, so lots of time for the Cavs to to make some final tweaks for those final couple roster spots, Um, but the biggest sporting event of the weekend was probably the biggest sporting event of the american calendar year the super bowl super bowl 51 atlanta versus new england uh chris uh, a crazy crazy game uh atlanta going up big uh all the graphics and stats about no team ever coming back from that big of a deficit in the super bowl and the new england patriots of course make the comeback tie it goes into the first overtime in super bowl history and the New England Patriots on the first drive of overtime win the game winning touch score the game winning touchdown uh and, and win Super Bowl 51 uh I, I don't even have to ask but just to get you talking Chris I, I'm assuming you watched that game yeah yes I did okay so first and foremost Bob the previous biggest comeback in Super Bowl history was 10 points I, I think no team had come back from down more than 10 Patriots were down 28-3 to in the third quarter. At that point, I was at a Super Bowl party in my Tom Brady jersey. I had gathered up all the food that I had brought, like all the dishes. I went to the door, put my shoes on. I looked up at the TV. I saw that they were driving. I said, you know, I'll watch one more drive, and then I'm probably going to get out of here because I got an early flight to catch. Now, I was going to leave the party, obviously, had I left the party I would have watched the rest of the game. I wasn't going to bail on my team. But they scored on that drive, and I got sucked back in. And, and I, I honestly, it's it was the most insane comeback I've ever seen in my life. I, I'm sorry. You know, you can talk about 3-1 series leads, and that's fine. But this was a single game. I mean, this was 25 points. They scored what? At the end of the day, it would have been 31 unanswered points in a quarter and a half about to come back and win the biggest game of the year against an offense that looked unstoppable for the first two and a half quarters. And I'm still trying to figure out how all of it happened. I mean, for once, the Patriots had a crazy catch go their way, for one. 
The Julian Edelman catch was unbelievable. On the heels of a Julio Jones catch that almost put the nail in the Patriots' coffin, uh, then a sack and a holding call took the Falcons from what would have been an easy field goal to a punt. I mean, they would have, they went from maybe a 42-yard field goal to a 63-yard field goal. They lost about 22 yards on the drive. So that was pretty bad. Um, that right there, I think, decided the game, obviously. Um, and... I mean, not to, not to hog up all the talking time, but Bob, I know when we first did our when we did our first podcast, you had said that you know Brady and Belichick winning that fourth Super Bowl cemented their legacy. I feel like they went into this game saying, you know what, winning a fifth isn't enough. We've got to like make it hard. So let's just let them get a huge lead and see if we can add to our legend or something. That's the only explanation I have because. That game was just so ridiculous. Yeah, it it, it was a, a ridiculous comeback for sure, and I, I uh, would have enjoyed it if it was any team but the Patriots. <laughs> it, I mean, I just I do not like them at all, and I uh, you know I I did say all those things about their legacy being cemented. It, it certainly is, and people are gonna you know put them at the top list uh, of list them as the the best quarterback and the best coach in, in NFL history and people have will have very strong arguments for, for that to be so um but I I they they are just sometimes you're just that and bad of a person or annoying of a person that I, I can't give them any credit anymore <laughs> I'm just tired of them but how can you not I mean okay I get it you don't like them and a lot of people don't like them but if you're watching football and you're just watching the game, if I, I don't, if you watched that game and saw the way Tom Brady led that team back, I don't see how you couldn't think he's the best quarterback. I, I'm sorry, like he was down 25 points, he had thrown a pick six, and then he turned into Terminator. I mean, he just completely—they could not stop him. He was playing on an all-time level that that right there was watching arguably and no not arguably anymore he is the greatest quarterback to ever play football period we are watching him now it is over five Super Bowls and epic comebacks I mean he did it against the Rams he did it against the Panthers he did it against um the, the Falcons now, because the defense kind of held on against Seattle, even though Brady was outstanding in that game, he didn't lead the epic drive. I mean, it's not like this guy just wins those games. He led, he, I mean, in every single big situation, he seems to come through. And when you have all of the accolades he has, all of the AFC championships he's played in, 7-3 and three in AFC championships, um, you know, Five and two in Super Bowls, four Super Bowl MVPs. I, I I just I know you don't like them, and I'm not trying to pull salt on the wound. But if you're just like watching football, I mean, that's as good as it gets. Yeah, I'm not gonna argue against it. I I think that 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 is a very strong argument, and, and would probably agree with you. But uh, they they aren't deserving of my time or my acknowledgement. Man, I see you surprised me two years ago when you said what you said about them, and and this is the well, Bobby Bobby Sweeney I know. Well, uh, things have happened. The world has changed, and they the have taken uh, an active role in, in part of that 
changing of the world. So for that reason, I, I'm acting this way. If if this were uh, an alternate reality where, where certain things didn't happen outside of football and, and we were watching this game, yeah, I, I would probably be in a much better mood. But uh, Brady Belichick and Bob Kraft, I, I, they're not worth my time. Are you talking about the flake gate or are you talking about politics? Um, I'm more talking about politics. I mean, I, obviously, Deflategate does not make me like them, uh, nor does Spygate. I mean, I, I don't. I wouldn't have liked them even before, but it, it's it's mostly political at this point. So here's the thing about that, and and it, since we're going to talk about that, my argument is simple. Um, I don't particularly care what my, you know, favorite players, favorite teams do in their personal lives. I don't care who they're dating. I don't care who they vote for. I don't care about that. As long as they're not breaking the law, then I have a problem. But I uh, I don't particularly care. I mean, look, I, I to me, sports are sports. Politics are politics. I don't know Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, or Tom Brady personally. So I don't I'm not going to judge their character off the field and I'm not going to assume that just because there was a make America great again hat in Tom Brady's lost locker that he actually voted for Donald Trump I have no idea what he did in the ballot box his wife since then has uh, made some comments that would suggest that he did not vote for Trump so the point I'm making here is sports and politics they don't mix for me and, you know, I, I don't want to, like, say, I don't want to make the argument, well, if your favorite player did this or that, because I don't know what's in anyone else's heart either. I'm just talking about me. Uh, I, I just, I don't see that as a correlation um, at all. You know, to me, I, I think that they've also done a lot of good in their community. And, uh, you know, I, I, I again, it's just, I don't particularly care about, the people I cheer for's personal life, so long as they're not doing things that are wrong. Like, obviously, people who commit crimes are in trouble with the law. Yeah, that's a problem. But to my knowledge, those three gentlemen have not done anything like that. So I honestly, they are free to do and believe whatever they want. Uh, yeah, I mean, I look, you, you obviously you made a conscious decision that that's, you know, your your favorite team your favorite player outweighs the uh the the other stuff the the extracurricular stuff that that happens off the football field you know i don't care what they do as a private citizen i don't care who they voted for i care that they have used their public status to uh associate with him and and have have refused to even say that they they don't agree with anything that he's doing and that's what i take issue with it's not the vote it's it's the you know indirectly using your public status to to embolden uh somebody who i think transcends what is politics and, and is presenting a, a real crisis for, for for the country and i think it's a shame that guys like tom brady bill belichick even robert Kraft, you know didn't use their status to denounce some some of the things that have been done and, and some of the things that were said in the past so i i think it's it's a little bit more than just a political you know, normal politics right now. Uh, and, and, you know, 
if this were, game were played a little bit later, a little bit earlier, maybe I, I wouldn't have these feelings right now. But uh, you know, everything right now is really uh, at, at risk for, for, for me, and, and I, I just don't. Uh, what's going on right now is is crossing into a lot of of realms and fields that I didn't think would really mix in terms of like sports and politics. So that, that's just how I feel, and I think a lot of people felt that way too. Um, I, like I, I get it, you know, you grew up cheering for the Patriots. If, uh, all of my Cleveland Browns were in the Super Bowl and they did the same thing, I would struggle real mightily, uh, on what to do and who to cheer for and how to cheer for them. Uh, but for me, it was a, it was a super easy decision. And as of right now, I, I don't have a lot of respect for those guys. I can guarantee you right now, you are cheering for a Trump supporter on one of your teams, like one of your favorite teams probably someone on one of your favorite teams probably voted for Donald Trump. And so the, yeah, the, and, the way and again, I Chris, look, it's not about voting. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, like you can, you can do what you want. It, it's, it, it's what they said and that they're friends and that they refuse to answer any questions about it. That, that really bothers me. Well, I, I don't, but, but, but I, I, it doesn't bother me that they voted for him. But, but also let's also be fair here when we're talking about the Patriots they don't answer questions about anything outside of football. I mean, it's not like they're just dodging the political questions here. It's not like Bill Belichick hasn't called reporters dumb for asking dumb non-football-related questions before. It's not like he hasn't just said, we're on to Cincinnati over and over and over again when people try to ask him non-football questions. I mean, it's it, let's not paint the picture that they're only dodging the political questions. This this not they're not they don't answer any questions. It's like dealing with Fort Knox. I was in a Bill Belichick press conference when the man walks into the room, everyone's on pins and needles. I mean, the the guy just has this aura about him of yeah, let's get this over with. So I mean, it's not like he's just dodging the Trump questions. I I I just. To me, I don't – at the end of the day, if the Patriots had lost that game, I don't see what difference it would have made. I mean, that that's all. Like, And I guarantee you all, all these people – and I'm not just talking about you here, Bob. Anyone who was on our podcast, if you think that I'm you know, being crazy or something, I guarantee you you're cheering for one – someone on your team supported Donald Trump. I mean, there are just too many people out there – and there are there are Republicans out there. I mean, you know, it's not it's not all about just I don't know that to me. I don't let that get in the way of my cheering for my team. And uh, you know, I I I I am able to separate the two. No, I, I again I I get it, and I know a lot of people separated it and had no problem with doing it, but. I, 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 I cannot, <laughs> I, I, especially again, it's not, it's not about who they voted for or if they voted or anything. It's, it's, it's about the, the relationship they had and, and, and the things that they refused to say or, or do about it. But, um, sorry that we got so political there. Uh, we, we sh- definitely should move on away from the, the, the debate of the politics of the game. Chris, I mean, commercials lady gaga did what 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 did you like the, the most of the extracurriculars of the super bowl not much honestly i mean look I, i'm not a halftime shows guy i i, I don't like halftime shows they're they're to me they're spectacles 
if, if you like the halftime shows, Lady Gaga was fine. I, I have nothing against Lady Gaga. In fact, I find myself getting her song stuck in my head all the time. Uh, so it's not. I have nothing against Lady Gaga. Got into a big debate over whether or not she was lip syncing at the party, which, again, whatever. But the point is, I, I don't know. I'm not a big halftime shows guy, so I mean, it, it doesn't really matter who's playing at the halftime show. It takes it takes a lot for me to like a halftime show. I think the last one I truly liked was the U2 halftime show because um, I thought that was pretty cool. Their tribute to 9/11. Um, but other than that. Um, it's so it's been a while since I, that was what 2001. Yeah, we've been the Super Bowl after 9/11, so 2001. Um, and, and honestly, commercial-wise, there, there wasn't anything that was too memorable. Again, I mean, I mean, the for the, I mean, obviously they took a very political tone. We were trying to get away from politics, but I mean, the commercials took a very political tone. Um, but uh, nothing, nothing that stood out. I mean, I, I'm struggling to remember a commercial that I really like laughed and and said oh wow that was a great commercial i i can't think of anything really yeah none really jump out or or come to mind i feel like i still remember commercials from years past more so than uh the ones from last night um i like the christopher walken and justin timberlake one uh christopher walken's just a crazy dude um yeah a lot of them were were super serious or, or very political like you said and uh i mean some of them were impactful and i thought well done but um, a lot of them just washed over me and didn't really make an impact. I thought Lady Gaga was good. I'm not, uh, uh I wouldn't say I'm a Lady Gaga fan, but I, th- I think anybody that, uh, starts their show from the, t- the rooftop in- and dives in, uh, deserves some credit. And, and to answer your debate about whether she was lip syncing or not, the answer is yes, she was lip syncing and yes, she wasn't lip syncing. Uh, there was a little bit of both. Yeah, see, that's the thing. <laughs> and that, that's how most people do it. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, like that's the thing. Like, uh, that that's how this all started. Like, like at the party, uh, a couple of the guys were like, "Oh man, she's actually singing." I'm like, "Well, no, she's not really," because you know, it's you can't do that show and set up for that show the acoustics of that stadium, a seventy thousand seat stadium, in five minutes and have her voice project perfectly through that system and so there's no way you can do that show without lip-syncing parts of it and so I I know that certainly there were parts where she was probably singing but there's no way she wasn't lip-syncing I just I don't know why everyone gets so defensive about these things I mean I, I every artist who's played one of these has pre-recorded or lip-synced parts of their show if not all of it so I I, I don't I don't see why it's a big deal. Everyone knows it. Just enjoy the spectacle of it all. Yeah. Well, uh, just about everybody lip syncs, lip syncs it, uh, in some fashion. Uh, most people don't do it 100%, um, especially not uh, on the Super Bowl. You're not going to lip sync the whole time, but y- you have to be aided by some backing tracks here and there. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously an entertaining Super Bowl. I love the Super Bowl. I loved watching it. Uh, obviously, it didn't go so well for me, but um, certainly what was really exciting for you. Um, the NFL announced uh, the the end of season awards. Matt Ryan, quarterback for the Falcons, losing Super Bowl quarterback, um, was named NFL MVP. Chris, any surprises there? The only surprise from the NFL awards was uh, Dak Prescott, rookie of the year. Uh, that was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, it, it is kind. Of, it it is really surprising considering um, you look at the voting for the NFL MVP award, and and Zeke got six votes over Dak Prescott's one vote. 
And so I, I don't know what was going on, but I mean, I, I think you can make the argument for either of those guys winning the rookie of the year or, or getting mo- more votes in terms of MVP. Um, but yeah, it, it was surprising. I, I thought Zeke was going to get just because statistically he uh, rookie of the year seems to be more statistically driven. Um, and, and he certainly was the better rookie of the two statistically. And I'm double mad because I picked Joey Bosa and Ezekiel Elliott as my preseason rookie of the years. That would have been like the only time I got both of them right. Yeah, that that would have been impressive. Um, and they would have both I been am, Buckeyes, Ohio State sweep. Yeah. I, I get, again, it's stat-driven, so I, I get Joey Bosa with his 10.5 sacks. Um, but J- Jalen Ramsey was really good. I, he only had two interceptions, but, man, he, he almost a- already turned into a lockdown corner. So I, I was a little bit bummed about that, and he was my pick. Yeah. No, I remember you picked him, but man, ten and a half sacks, and you gotta remember Bosa missed those first few games, so those are pretty good numbers. Yeah, no, I'm obviously he won yeah. Rookie of the Year. I'm not gonna say it wasn't deserving of oh. it, but um, I, I think that the, the, you look at the numbers and you don't really look at anything else with that Rookie of the Year. Uh, any of the other awards, you know, Defensive Player of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, that that jumped out to you? Nothing really surprised me. I think it all pretty much went according to plan. It would have been nice to give to sp- give Zeke Offensive Player of the Year because Matt Ryan got MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. It's like, okay, well, maybe we can award Zeke somehow because, I mean, he's a rookie who, like, led the league in rushing. I, I-, I don't know. I feel like – they could have given Zeke an award somehow here. And uh, I think that's the only thing that really rubbed me the wrong way. Is he was phenomenal, um, not just by rookie standards, but by by just overall player standards. Uh, I think he got MVP votes and, uh, you know, nothing to show for it. So a little a little disappointing. Yeah. What about the, the Hall of Fame vote? We got a class of seven going in. Uh, any surprises there? Uh, no, a lot of people are talking Terrell Owens should be in. Terrell Owens will be in the Hall of Fame. In my, I, I, I feel it, it, guys have to wait sometimes. You know, there, there are some guys who waited 10 years who are totally deserving. Um, Terrell Owens will be there eventually, um, but certainly everyone who got in uh, was very deserving, um, specifically LaDainian Tomlinson, Kurt Warner. I mean, Kurt Warner, two-time MVP. Uh, led two different teams to the Super Bowl, played in three. Uh, fantastic quarterback. Had a very up and down career, but but mostly great. And uh, you know, obviously Daniel Tomlinson. I mean, come on, everyone knew he was getting in on the first ballot. So uh, you know, those are two kind of headliners. And uh, I I have no problems with uh, the class. Uh, but don't worry, all UTO fans out there. I, Terrell, there's I don't think Terrell. If Terrell Owens doesn't make the Hall of Fame, it's a travesty because he had a fantastic career despite all of the stuff off the field. He was a phenomenal wide receiver. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, this is his second year not making it. I think it's really surprising that he didn't make it and kind of a shame being that he's top five in just about every receiving category. Uh, I understand that, yeah, he'll have plenty of chances and, and will eventually get it, but I, I do think it is kind of a slap of the face uh, t- to not vote him in uh, after his second chance. It isn't. It isn't. I mean, I get where you're coming from, but Kurt Warner had to wait a couple years. I think this was his third. Um, Marvin Harrison had to wait a couple years. So I mean, it is. It in the NFL, it, it is a little more selective. So so I, again, it's not surprising that he has to wait a bit. Um, he will get in though. There's there's no doubt that he's getting in. Uh, all right, moving on to uh, a little bit of some quick hits here new in, in the news. Uh, Ohio State men's basketball uh, beating Michigan. Um, Chris, any any update from them? 
Uh, no, I mean, we've talked a lot about that Mata on the podcast, but I actually read a really interesting column. And you know what? You know, I don't think his seat is as hot as we have maybe have insinuated on this podcast. I don't think he's going to get fired. I, I think because you got to remember that this is only the second really down year he's had. I mean, he's had a ton of success with Ohio State, led him to multiple Final Fours. Uh, I think he's going to get a chance to turn this thing around and, and try to build the program back up again. So um, while it is a down year by the Buckeye standards, it's A, good to beat Michigan on the road. That always helps. And B, I, I do think that model will be back. All right. Well, that's a change of heart uh, from the past couple of weeks. Um, I'm, I'm still on the fence on that one. I think uh, he, he's still in the hot seat, but we'll, we'll definitely monitor that. Um, Akron men's basketball, uh, 12-game winning streak snapped against Ohio. Uh, still the, the cream of the MAC. Uh, any update there? Uh, not really. It's just going to make it a lot harder to get that at-large bid. The The margin for error is ra- razor thin. Um, it, it's hard to say that about a 19-4 team, but um, you know, I, I almost think they would have had to win out to really just say, hey, we've got like 30 wins. You can't say no to us. Because there was that one year, I, they, I think they won 31 games. They didn't even go to the NIT. So, I mean, that just shows the uphill battle the MAC has to climb. Yeah, de- definitely. Um, and then February 1st uh, marked National Signing Day in college football. No surprise, Alabama again for the millionth year in a row, uh, number one recruiting class. But Ohio State, uh, a lot of people thought that OSU might have had a chance to uh, upset Alabama for that number one ranking. But they came in second, uh, Georgia rounding out the top three. And those were the three heading into signing day that seemed to be vying for that number one spot. Um, nothing really particularly exciting happened on signing day i think usc and florida state made the biggest gains and they rounded out uh the top six with michigan at at number five so um the usual suspects in in the top 10 in terms of recruiting uh chris did you have any take on that really not really i i like i have no problems with national signing signing day I, i think it's it's a cool tradition i do think it gets blown a little out of proportion um, it leads to some unfortunate side effects like guys faking their signing party just so they can get – I don't like it when it leads to that because then it, it, you're putting a little too much pressure on a kid who's making a college decision. Um, but I do think it's cool that the schools, the high schools, recognize their athletes because there's a lot of local signing days um, in, in Cleveland beyond just football. You know, They'll get you know all the softball players, the volleyball players, all of them together and, and just kind of honor their athletes. So it is a cool tradition. I'm not saying it isn't, uh, but I do think that um, at times we do kind of got to keep things in check here because you know, these are kids deciding on going to school here. It's, it's not like they're getting drafted. Uh, I feel like ESPN tries to make it into a draft more than a, a big life decision, which there's already enough pressure on them anyway, uh, and then you throw in that, and it, it sometimes can lead to some unfortunate things. But but again, I, I, I like to see, you know, what happens, you know, two or three years from now because, you know, it's hard enough to project NFL prospects we're talking about high school kids. I mean, they still got a lot of developing to do. Um, so so it, 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 these rankings are, are always good. And, and yeah, generally uh, Alabama's ranks at the top uh, for good reason. But um, at the same time, uh, you know, time will tell to see, you know, how, how good some of these kids really are. And, and some of these lower rated recruits might surprise. Yeah, obviously, you know, 
people are, are misscouted and it's impossible to get a, an accurate read on, on the entire nation of high school football. Um, I, I don't think that it's a perfect science, but I do think we're seeing younger kids playing and starting and contributing more and more in the college football landscape. And, you know, recruiting is a direct indicator of who those talents are and, and where they're going. So I think it, it, uh, the science is getting more and more sound and, and the recruiting tools are, are re- more readily available. So I think we do have a stronger indicator of who's going to be, uh, you know, the, at the top uh, uh, of the college football rankings in, in the next couple of years due to recruiting rankings, obviously development is, is a key part of it, but um, you know, Alabama is number one has been number one for a long time. And, and obviously they've, been as close to it to a dynasty in college football that we can see and i think recruiting plays a, a large part in oh that. there's no close about it i i don't like alabama but they are definitely a dynasty uh, when you win as many championships as they've done in the last decade uh that that's a dynasty um and it's not like they just drop from champion to 25 i mean they'd go from like one to two or maybe three so it's not like they're ever really out of the picture uh so certainly a very very strong dynasty there uh, down in Alabama. Um, and I, I do agree, you know, you're seeing it in the NFL too, more rookies kind of pop early. Um, I, I think it has something to do with the fact that the rules have been loosened on both levels as far as, you know, how physical defenses can be. I think that was part of the toughest thing to adjust to as you move up from high school to college and college to the pros was just the physical nature of the game would make it harder to have success using your own physical gifts. You had to get more creative. And now that, you know, rules like targeting, illegal contact, um, defenseless receiver, which is targeting in college, um, I I do think those are helping younger players ease into those transitions a little bit better because, I mean, the game isn't as physical as it was 10 years ago. No, very good point. I I definitely think that uh, contributes a a large part to it for sure. All right, Bob, it's getting close to tribe time. I'm super pumped. We are definitely going to be talking a lot of tribe this year, and uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. So I'm I'm pumped for pitchers and catchers to report. I believe you know we're we're within like ten days, Bob. I think I think we're under ten. Yeah, we're, we are getting very close to pitchers and catchers for so sure. That that's going to be fun times. Uh, but you know, we've packed a ton into this podcast and, uh, even got a little political. We don't like to strain into politics, but sometimes it's unavoidable. So hope you enjoyed it. Hope we didn't scare any of you off with that. Uh, and thank you all for supporting us for these two years. We definitely appreciate, uh, you listening and coming back. Um, it, it really means a lot to both of us and, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to hope for another great year here on Klee Talk. We will be back next week. Uh, if you'd like to catch up, you can go to FenleyRoadSports.com and listen to our old podcast. Please subscribe via iTunes. You can click that link top right corner of our website, or you can search Fenley Road Sports and click Clee Talk through iTunes. Either way, works for us. You can follow us on Twitter, Fenley Road Sports, or Instagram by searching Fenley Road Sports. And uh, please just come back every week. We'll be talking Cleveland sports. And, uh, yeah, it'll be great. Hopefully the Cavs pulled it out against Washington. Uh, like like Bob said, they were playing while we were recording. Hope they can keep up. They've won four of the last five. So until next week, go Cavs. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Go Cavs. Take it easy, Bob.